Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Jay is sat with his head in his hands. You're right, JB. I'm just reading my tablet. You're reading some of the messages that we've received on the Egg Chasers account this last week. Is that what you're reading? Is that why your head's in your hands? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, just a hard day training, Tim. Hard day training. All right, come on then. Hands in. Pod on three. One, two, three. Pod. Here we go then. There's three games in this, well, four games in this Rugby World Cup left. There's week two of the Aviva Premiership on the way and there's so much been happening in the world of rugby. Let's get into another Egg Chasers rugby podcast. But before I do, just to remind you, you can listen on iTunes. Just search Egg Chasers and you'll find us. Uh, you can also listen on the Acast app. I recommend downloading that and listening on that. And if you subscribe on iTunes, we'll get every episode delivered straight to you. And it's at Rugby Podcast on Twitter if you want to get in touch with us. And uh, Tim Tam Timmy on Twitter, just to kick us off, boys, he says, here's a fact for you, lads. He knows how much uh, we like a, fa- a fact, particularly Phil loves a fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, uh, boys, here's a fact for you. There's actually a pla- there is actually a playoff at this Rugby World Cup for the fifth place. It's called the Six Nations. Yay! <laughs> Wait for it. Absolute banter flying around already. <laughs> lads. Hey, uh, James Haskell and Sam Burgess, Cowhead, and Hask, that we've, you just heard a clip of there, they're going to be facing off together potentially in the Premiership. Man on man. That is some of the Premiership chat we've got. But we've obviously got to start with the World Cup semi-finals. Is it Sour Grapes or does everyone else just feel deflated now? Semi-finals have come, I should be really excited, but I do feel just, I'm struggling to get up for it. I really am. Really? Because I am, uh, maybe it's because you've only just had Wales go out and we've had like three weeks to get you over know, yeah. England. I feel worse for out. Scotland. Truth be told, <laughs> you know, I, just I don't know, uh, and also all the awful headlines. I mean, on the BBC today, there was a headline: "Is you Euro- is European rugby dead, or is this a death of <laughs> European rugby?" No, it's not. That's a bit, that's We're a just bit out, much. just out, mm. out of the competition. That's it. Oh, I, I am very excited for this weekend. Um, I, I think yeah. this, these are the best matchups. I think this is the best combination to get the best games. I hope we don't get rubbish weather. The forecast is a bit mixed. And, I, and the, one of the great things has been, it's been really unusually clement weather. We haven't had a single, really, during the World Cup and during any game, we haven't had a horrible day's rain or anything. Apart no. from the end of the Scotland-Australia yes. game. When yes. the Scottish that, that fans were was... cheering the rain. Yeah, that was the only time I can think. I feel a bit weird not having... Uh, midweek rugby after like four weeks of every almost every day there's a rugby game well if world rugby would listen to our plea and our plea which um other what uh, right okay so so there are people um in the world of rugby and none of us we've all played at various levels phil played at up to championship level as did you Uh, i played no i played uh league one level I, i never really played championship so I played League One, third tier. Phil got up to the second tier. JB's got to like fifth or sixth tier. If that's... Well, which is fine. Well, that's fine. <laughs> that's the point. None of us are ex-players. But if we were, then what we could make so much money from the things we say on this podcast, because <laughs> what it seems like is that a lot of other people who were ex-players listen to the podcast, write what we say, I think that's and get paid for it. a scandalous accusation. Well, <laughs> I'd be very careful knowing the, knowing the nature of some of the people who might say some what, of the things that we ex, might have said. Ex, One of them ex, is a solicitor. Ex-solicitors, <laughs> or, uh, or current solic- practicing solicitors. Yeah, He should mention that more. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. there, is a, there is a well-known uh, ex-rugby player who may have written an article basically verbatim saying what we've been saying uh, for Don't ages. worry about it, Tim. Uh, anyway, what, what we said, and if World Rugby listened to our plea for the lower teams to still have 
at the third place or even fourth and even fifth place teams to have games beyond the group stages in a plate or a trophy or a shield competition, then we would have midweek rugby. We would do. Is that how, when you play it? Because that's quite a good idea, isn't it? Yeah. Smaller grounds midweek. Yeah, Small, yeah. Smaller grounds, like cheaper entry fees. Yeah. That'd be so like you might get England this week playing at AJ Bell. Against Japan. Oh, no, no, not, no, not no, Japan. You, not, not Japan, Japan right? please, anyone but Japan. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't fancy Japan. Um, but yeah, but no, they, they haven't listened to us. But various other ex-professionals, for example, I'm just going to pick a name out of, out of random. Now, Tim, Let's look, say Brian Moore. Um, hypothetically, of uh, Hypothetically. Bright uh, men come they, to the same conclusions. You and Brian Moore are just on the same intellectual level. That's yeah, all it is. Okay, all right, whatever. Um, <laughs> but look, all right, let's get into the semi-finals then. Here we go. So... Um, Argentina, Australia. I hope this is Arge- Argentina have the same attacking intent that they've shown so far. I, I think, think I think they will do. They, they've shown they kind of only have one way of playing. The, the, even the first game against New Zealand, admittedly they only scored 16 points, but they didn't particularly change the way that they played. They played free-flowing rugby. They still used Hernandez and Sanchez to get field position, but then when they had clean ball in the right parts of the pitch... They played rugby and they used that mm. dangerous back three. I so I don't think they'll change. I can't remember. Conversely, when you look at England and you say maybe maybe England shied away from picking some of the young, bright, fearless guys like Henry Slade, for example, they're picking like Cortado. Uh, Cortado, that's the type of coffee, isn't it? Uh, is it? Is it? I don't know. I think Kenko. Cortado Santiago is it? Santiago Cordero. Cordero. Uh, what's, what's, the, uh, what's his name? Santiago Cordero. Cordero, that's it. He's 21. He just looks like fearless. But I'm both, here. Both, I'm here. Both I've arrived. The second rows are like 21. Yeah, yeah. I know. They're both very young. But aside, I just, I just think fear's not, not, not in it. I, I know. They've I, got an amazing national anthem. They've got amazing stash. <laughs> amazing. Stash. I mean, that, everything is, everything is in their favour. They've got before the game. One of the best front rows in the world. Uh, Creevy and Ayerza um, are absolutely mm. exceptional. They, they would get into just about any other team's front row. They're all very, very good. We talk about the young lads, but the experience in there. I mean, Hernandez oh, Fern- doesn't have m- have many have many caps. There's experience. Fernandez Lobby, yeah. Oh, Fernandez Lobby, what a guy! Sorry, Hernandez is one of them. Hernandez, yeah. I mean, he's probably got like 50 caps. He's been to Racing. He's been to Toulon. He's, he's been to Stad. He had. He's like, probably man of the tournament two tournaments ago. Yeah, 2007. So and mm. now he's back. So there's there's a real there's a real nice mix. Agreed. Now, I, I think this is actually, the game is going to come more down to the Australian selection and whether they can select Pooper, Pocock and Hooper together. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. massive. Cause, and also whether they can select Falau. Uh, uh, on fitness grounds, do you mean? On fitness grounds. This is purely on fitness grounds. So as things stand, today, 22nd, uh, the Thursday, uh, those two plus Scott Seo were... Scott Seo doesn't look good. I mean, I don't know what the official reason is, but it did not look good when he's holding his shoulder. It didn't in the game, but he was the one today who actually took had most involvement in training. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently Pocock never got off the stationary bike. Uh, Falau did 10 minutes of running before breaking down and having to ice his ankle. And Scott Seo took part in most of the morning session and then oh, you want to see these ice guys. Bath. You want to see these guys in this game. Not if you're Argentine. No one. Yeah, quite. <laughs> it depends who, you, who you're supporting, but the big one for me is uh, Pocock I think Curtly Beale can fill in adequately he's, n- he's not Falau but he can fill in more than adequately at fullback but the flexibility and the freedom that having mm. uh, Pocock and Hooper and the ability to speed up your own ball while simultaneously slowing down the opposition ball yeah. both ways it makes a massive difference and I think Argentina are conspicuous in not having an out and out seven did you Matera Matera his hair is a big ball carrier, and he, he's good around the breakdown. But it's his it, one of the points that's been made about England is England don't necessarily need an, an out and out seven if the team as a whole takes responsibility for the ball at the breakdown, and it, and it yeah. doesn't matter who cleans out. But the first man there, be it the winger, the centre, the tight head prop, they clean out fast and efficiently. Do you know another way that you take you? you take away that that necessity in the same way is if you do what Argentina do and you run at space and you offload because if you run at space and you offload uh, mm. then you inevitably will get someone over the game line a bit more yeah. and then it's so much easier to ruck yeah. instead of what England do and to a, to a, to also to an extent what Wales Wales and, I- at all. Wales and Ireland 
do to an extent and France is you pop it out predictably Bosch try and just run into your opposite number one out runners one out runners and that's going to breed slow ball so I think it's it, it's it's the mentality um, yeah. more so than the personnel I think you picked up on um, you know Argentina have got some quality players which Argentinians would make it make the Australian 15 would Ayer to come ahead of Scott Seal yes in my opinion yes he would potentially potentially all three uh, I'd probably go two Argentinians, uh, Ayerza and Creevy, with then um, Kepu, Sukopi Kepu. Yeah. Uh, I think the form he's shown, and he's been the cornerstone of that mm. Australian scrum. I would probably disagree. I'd say probably, probably more. And more ahead of Creevy. Yeah, I think so. Mm, Creevy for the that. past, in the rugby championship for the past four years, it three was, years has been. Sorry, rugby championship is in the one which must have played in or the other one. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, bo- both because he was competing hey. in both. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's astonishing that. Arguably the best hooker in the world was playing in the Green King IPA Rugby Championship. Exactly. Uh, I mean, the reason I give him is just you know he is the Australian Australian captain leader and he's there for, he's there for a good good reason and he's a damn good player too. He is a, he is a good player. They're both. Is he not good. Argentinian captain? He is. Creevy is Argentinian captain as well. So, uh, oh yeah, he is. Good yeah, point. Yeah. There you go. So any any other forwards like Fernandez Lobe with Pooper? Would that be? Uh, I like that. I love that as a back row. I think that would be very good. Just swap. Fernandez lobby for now. The only question would be because uh, Scott Fardy is supposed to do all of the unseen work. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Fernandez lobby show pony. He's but not a show pony. He's, he's not a world pony. class yeah. Uh, yeah. show pony. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's too many water show pony. A thoroughbred. He's a thoroughbred. Thoroughbred sh- show pony. Yeah, let's put Fernandez lobby with Cooper. Yeah, done, done. Um, and then would any back him off? Maybe would he be the only back that would get into that Australian backline? Head of AC, um, Adam Ashley Cooper. Uh, yeah, Is that so you'd say, have to drop? Yeah, you'd have to drop. Uh, or Rob Horn. Or Rob Horn. I'd, Probably I'd have, head of I'd Horn. Have How about Hernandez? Honourable n- mention for Nicolas Sanchez, mm-hmm. uh, but I probably would have full yeah. ahead of him. So yeah, just him off. So what was your, what's your scenario for for Argentina for Argentina winning this? Uh, Pocock doesn't play. Okay. Yeah. Argentina continually get across the game line, get fast ball, and pick up about twelve points in scrum pens. Yeah, that would work. That would work. That would, that would work nicely. I'd go with that. Scrum pens, definitely. And then they and kick from get, all sorts of in, crazy angles. Get in field territory. Mm. Another thing, Argentina got one of the best rolling walls in world rugby. They scored two tries against New Zealand in the rugby championship using a rolling yep. mall. And if they get penalties, well, anywhere, how they'll about, either kick sticks or mm. kick and use their rolling mall. How about a couple of front row yellow cards for <laughs> Yeah, Australia. we'll have that. We'll have that. <laughs> well, Fingers the problem with crossed. that is it could take it to uh, uncontested scrums. There's, there's, oh. there's two semi-finals. I, I think we yes. should get on to semi-final number two. There's another one. There is. There is. <laughs> okay, go on. So to. the winner of Argentina, Australia, will face, of course, New Zealand versus South Africa. Uh, has there ever been a less fancied South African team? Because that's how I feel. I think uh, it feels to me, and please feel free to disagree, that... This All Blacks team is like a steamroller going forward, and I just can't see anyone stopping it. What were you saying a couple of weeks ago? Oh, they're just. Oh, I think this All Black team are there to be taken. Yeah, they're not I did. really. But then they do that. <laughs> so I mean, all you can go on is the information which is shown, and if you look, yeah, but you can't just go from the. Oh, I'm not so sure about them to a steamroller. Well, you can because. <laughs> well, yeah, I, you can. I, no, no, but okay. Explain, explain. If you look at the All Blacks team, we went against Georgia. And the handling errors were. Oh, were that's many. two different games. That's like going. Oh, Australia. Oh, I'm not sure so about them now because so because Scotland pushed them close. Give, I give, don't think they're a very good team anymore. The reason I said I thought they could be there for the taking is because against Georgia of all teams, they looked a, li- a little frail with knock-ons and ha- handling errors. But then, how do you question that performance against France? To, to be fair, if I rewound the scenario of the France. New Zealand game and you said how would you see us going I'd have picked the same way again which is New Zealand to win after a hard hard grind Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say the same about South Africa but because I'm going to say the same about South Africa mentally I'm now going to change that uh, purposely and say it's going to be an absolute battering by New Zealand although I hope it's not really that's what I I, I just I, I don't know I genuinely don't know so, I, I think well, when I look at South Africa the one thing I think they've got, they've got that matches New Zealand is the is the number of caps on the field. They've got a lot of Centurion guys in yes. and around the squad, mm-hmm. and they've got a lot of world. They've still got World Cup winners around them, so they're not going to be overawed by the occasion. 
they're going to take it head on and I think probably much like like Argentina live with New Zealand for for 60 minutes it's it's what it's the position they're in after an hour and what they've got left in the tank yes I think that'll be very important how do you beat New Zealand I mean the only thing I can really think of is you start from the ball completely oh, you, you indefinitely you have to do that but in order to do that you've got to, your kicking game has to be so immaculate because New Zealand are good enough to defend with 12 men as a flat line with three three men, yeah. three men in the boot and they're, they're fit enough their positioning is good enough to defend as a flat line with 12 three men in the boot so if your kick isn't perfectly spot on it's getting uh, run back at pace and 40 yards further downfield I don't know how South Africa win this I, I think they win it by keeping it very tight not mm. starving them of ball just play phase after phase after phase and then a very very well executed kick you have to find grass every time and you have to kick chase how how did England in New Zealand almost well challenge New Zealand like actually gave them a really good go and that was well, at, that that was that by was quite a lot of attacking rugby, that was by gen, no that was by a really solid platform having to go when you get the chance of course, yes, when, England, when the time is right though when England won their last time I don't know if you remember this but they had a driving more from about half halfway to the 22 it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen my thoughts on New Zealand remain the same before the tournament they've got some players who are peaking at the perfect time some players who are slightly declining but the overall team the overall output is still comfortably the best team in the world they will beat every team in the world more often than not and it's if you catch them on an off day with the right team, like Australia did in, in the Rugby Championship. All right. Well, same question with Argentina into Australia. Which which South Africans, if you if you were Steve Hansen and you could, you know, just transplant a South African for a, a Kiwi, who which of them would get into that fifteen? I would I'd definitely have Beast. Not necessarily. On really? Four. Well, well, New Zealand are down to their third choice. Lou said. Uh, that's why they've got Cole um, Moody playing. Yes. Yeah. So definitely have Beast in there. Yeah. Um, I'd probably have Coles, Bain Coles, and Bismarck hasn't had his best World Cup, has he? No, he's struggling a little bit with injury as well. Mm. Um, how about, Et- how, about Franks. how about Etzebeth? Just because A, I love seeing his name, and B, I, <laughs> I love watching his highlights. I'd probably those four second rows are all exceptional. I'd probably just pick any. I'd just names out of a hat. One from New Zealand, one from South Africa. It doesn't really it's matter which one. It's about and Retallic then. Yeah, so. I'd probably go for those two, but I'd uh, be happy with Whitelock and uh, Lou Diego as well. Yeah, you would be, wouldn't you? <laughs> in fact, Whitelock's exceptional. Back, yeah. back oh. row, you've got the two best number eights in the world facing off together. Yes. Kieran Reid probably gets the edge on that one. Two years ago, Kieran Reid was the best. And that's probably the best season I've ever seen a player have. Last year, Vermeulen, Vermaelen. Vermeulen. <laughs> um, however you say it, he was absolutely exceptional, but he's only just coming back from injury. So it's, it's like having go Kieran Reid as things stand. It's like yeah. having two top trump cards, which have got a mixture of nines and tens in yeah. their uh, things. It's just like which nines, you know, nines and tens match up well. Well, is there would Mac- Francois Lowe get in and had a Kano? It's very tough. I would have McCord. For his yeah. all-round captain. Yeah, and do you know what Kano does for them? He adds, because you think about McCaw, he does McCaw stuff. So I don't need to describe he to you, what, you know, what what he does. He does everything. Um, Reed, uh, very very smooth operator, but Kano is a blunt instrument. Yeah, and he, he gives him that real that real edge where I, you yeah. don't really get that from 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 the other two. So he's actually more important, say, than if you bought in a Francois Lowe into that All Blacks back back, back row. I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I think. Beast because of injury. Yeah. Etzebeth probably it's although it's a coin toss. Yeah. I'm actually I'm gonna put it out there. I don't think a single South African gets in that fifteen other than those. Um uh, I would definitely uh, Furry Dupree, Jay. What what is that? Is that I've got no idea. I've literally got no idea. What is that? Jay, you've got three devices in front of you, haven't Just, you? Anyway, I've whatever. No anyway, so you were saying, you're saying anyway, the backs, I would have Aaron Smith. Uh, Furry Dupree is excellent, but he definitely but Aaron Smith. Smith. Oh, he's next level, best best nine in the world. Oh yeah, but yeah. Dan Carter is, oh. looks like he's back to his best. Metronomic. Um, the argument would be whether you'd combine Mar Nonu with Jesse Creel, the young and the the experience. Well, let's just go with no because a hundred a hundred caps and World Cup winner and absolute. I mean Mar Nonu, yeah. isn't it? If you oh no, I definitely have Nonu. Oh yeah, yeah. And then would you have Creel ahead of Conrad? 
No. No. Pro- probably no. no. No, no, no. Or Fakatoa. I definitely have uh, Surveyor. A hundred percent. Definitely. Uh, Surveyor's I suppose Willie LaRue, Ben Smith. I'd have Ben Smith. Ben Smith. Uh, uh, oh, definitely have Ben Smith. Maybe Ben Smith Habana every day. for his experience because he's still very good. Maybe Habana. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, all right. You know, it's been mentioned a couple of times uh, this week. I've seen on Twitter the Surveyor, uh, the Surveyor and Lomu um, fact. It's the fact that you've brought up many times, Phil. Uh, yeah, I have mentioned it before. This, yeah, uh, this why, is pretty, ages it's, ago. It's a very timely fact to bring up. That neither of them. So between the two of them, they scored uh, eighty-five, no, seventy-five, something like that tries, mm-hmm. um, and neither of them has ever scored against South Africa. Now that is a fact. That is a hell of a fact. Wow. So 75 tries. And they both played South Africa numerous times. Combined more than 100 caps. And they will have played at least, I don't know, 12, 15 games between the two of them. Maybe Mm. even 20 games against South Africa. Never never scored. You imagine Surveyor's going to. I reckon Surveyor's going to be back to his best, i.e., walking tries over in a casual manner. <laughs> Just not. Yeah, looking, not having to try. I mean, he's, he's tried once in about five years now against France. Well, if, that's if, it. If, if, if we're saying maybe Habana for his experience, and if we're saying Etzebeth, although it's a coin toss, and Beast, because uh, New Zealand have injuries, we're, we're, all, we're basically saying there is no South African that you would go get them in that team. Ahead of a ahead of a Kiwi, no, there's one, no, there's no clear cut, no clear cut. Which, yeah, which means that South Africa are going are to have to be. I mean, I know there's a, like styles of play is important and tactics and and all the rest of it, but South Africa are going to have to be better than the sum of their parts. Uh, I think if you can get that scrum creaking, like we saw Georgia do, like we saw Tonga do, yeah, right, um, and a driving mall, if you can do that and put pressure on them and and starve them of ball. What are you saying, Australia, New Zealand? Is it hard, it's hard to look past that, isn't it? I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna reserve judgment until I know if Pocock's playing. So if Pocock's playing. Do you really think it's gonna make I, that much of a difference? I, I actually do. I actually think he could. The best game that I've seen Australia play when they hammered England, when they beat New Zealand in the Rugby Championship, they had both of them playing. When they've not, they they lost to New Zealand just after that. They were not great against Wales. Um, they, they obviously weren't great against Scotland. They weren't up to their best. I Pooper. think it makes a huge difference. And if Pocock is unavailable, lump on Argentina. Ooh. Nice, I like that. Um, in, uh, go on, Tim. Interestingly, um, Toby Flood in the Metro today. Did anyone see his article? In uh, the Met- did, did I read Toby Flood in the Metro? I, I <laughs> definitely uh, didn't do that. Toby Flood's, um, and bearing in mind, um, says that the difference and the secret to Southern Hemisphere success is the culture. <laughs> He's this, probably right because they don't focus on culture. There's been more articles in the press over the past two weeks about culture than I've ever seen. Wow. There's more articles than even Stuart Lancaster. Yeah, I, I I refer you to my earlier point about journalists and people being ex-players I, make, making money out of <laughs> writing what what people on this podcast say. I stopped talking about culture uh, at the start of the World Cup purely for the fact that people were getting bored of it. Yeah, I was so bored of culture. I'm bored. I, I, I don't want to hear any more about culture, please. <laughs> right, I'll tell you what. Let's get. Let, before we move on to the Premiership, there is a, an element of rugby that we need to talk about in, in relation to the World Cup. And um, here's a question from M. Lindsay, M. Lindsay UK, who says, after World Rugby's statement, does that mean we're now going to get post-mortems on every refereeing decision? Surely that's not good for the sport. Um, this is in light of the of World Rugby releasing a statement following the quarterfinal um, and the controversial 78th minute decision by referee Craig Joubert, uh, which saw Scotland exit the competition after Bernard Foley knocked over a, a penalty that, with all the information in front of us and all the views, turns out it wasn't a penalty. Well, I'll lead off on this, and I'll say that I have no problem with openness whatsoever. So if they want to go back and review the games and say, this is wrong, this is wrong, and this is wrong, I have no problems with that whatsoever. I think they do that as a matter of course. They yeah, every, They do that with every game. Yeah, yeah, but they've released it there. Yeah, they don't okay, so release that, it. Yeah. They don't release a statement on it. Yeah, so game. for instance, Nigel Owens has got it in his contract that he's not even allowed to talk about other match officials or you know any such thing. So the officials aren't allowed to talk about it. I have no problem with it because I think it improves the standard of officiating over, overall. 
Here's what I do have a problem with, and it's not quite the question that you asked, but I'm really disliking the vilification of uh, of Craig Joubert. I, I'm really disliking it. By who? Um, mostly, mostly by mostly by by the press, but I don't think there's enough of the rugby community standing up for him, saying he might have just made a mistake. Even the running off the field, I think, in some ways, can be can be explained. Where, where, where have you been the last couple of days? Because um, all ever since World Rugby released that statement, I think all I've actually read or seen or heard are people saying World Rugby are bang out of order. I can't believe they did that. They've thrown and the phrase "thrown Craig Joubert under a bus." They've uh, they've hung him out to dry. They've they've set a dangerous precedent. Well, these are phrases that this is this is the I think this is the predominant line of thinking in the light of the statement. It it really does. There's a lot of people criticising World Rugby for. See, I think that's that's not. I don't think these two things need to be hand in hand. Just because you've said he's made a mistake, I mean, rugby is a game which is so 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 complex. It does bring out the fallibility in individuals, and that's what's happened to, to, to Craig Joubert. On the other hand, there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying the referee got this wrong, this wrong, and this wrong. Nothing wrong at all. And I don't see what negative effect it, it would have. Well, to the referee. well what people are saying is, because, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say about every every decision. And some people have said, why have they taken the decision to do it now? Well, I, I kind of think, hold on a minute, this is the once every four years, it's the premier competition, and there's a very controversial call, and we've got a lot of new fans to rugby and it's high stakes and a lot of media attention and actually just clarifying the situation and what what world rugby haven't said and phil i think you've got the statement haven't you what world rugby haven't done done which what you think from hearing some people talk about it is that world rugby have gone we're really sorry about craig joubert he completely messed it up yeah what an idiot that is the way it comes across in the press when when you read what people are saying about it that's the sort of impression you get What, what all they've actually well phil why don't you Tell us what they said. They've basically just confirmed uh, what the decision that was made and what the decision should have been. Uh, so they confirmed with, with the benefit, and they well, even say yeah. with the benefit of all the angles. And yeah. So they confirmed that he gave a penalty with the benefit of all the angles. On reviewing it, it looks like Nick Phipps did intentionally try to touch the ball. He did touch the ball, therefore putting uh, John Welsh onside. So it should have only been a scrum mm-hmm. r- rather than um, for the scrum for the knock-on rather than an, an offside for a, a, a penalty. Yeah, for and, an the, and they also go to some length to to back him up and you know yeah, highlight yeah. his integrity and his professionalism and his well, skill. They then they say that he was correct not to use a TMO mm-hmm. because it's not a, a decision that can be referred yeah, to the that TMO. Clarify that because we were unsure on yes. our last podcast and that there is previous statements there are old statements that um from world rugby exactly the one that we read which has now been superseded but well, still the, exists that contradict it yeah so there's a, a more recent one that contradicts what we've what we read the other day so um, but so they clarified he shouldn't have used the tmo but then they, they've stood up for him and supported him and said it, it is a difficult game there's tough decisions he is a very high performing referee and the standard of refereeing across all of the 44 games has been very good which mm. It has been. We've been talking about the rugby in most instances rather than the refereeing. Yeah. So have you changed your opinion then on Craig Joubert's disgraceful act of running off the field? I still think he should not have run off the field. I think he shouldn't have run off the field, but I kind of understand it. I mean, if he if he knows he's messed up one of the biggest games of his career, I just think, and you just want to get out of there. I understand the feeling behind it, but then... I also understand the feeling when when you lose a game really painfully, so you just want to walk off. Yeah. But or you know, after the World Cup final, what will people be? Do- what will the losing team be doing? Their dream will have ended. They'll have just they've dreamt of lifting the World Cup and they don't. Do they walk into the changing room no. and kick their? No, they yeah. stand but there and they'll clap the opponents. It's the way he ran off yeah. as well. Yeah. It but was he he, <laughs> he, blew, he blew the final whistle and just gone ran, just, just off. Just, off. I, uh, I think what he did is he realised I've, I've made the wrong decision so I'm not going to officiate again at this World Cup probably so um, my only hope of appearing in the World Cup is to make a late claim for a place in the South Africa squad so <laughs> I need to demonstrate that I can play on the wing how old is he? he's about 38, 39 yeah, yeah, yeah. about the right age yeah oh, interesting. Yeah, well yeah, he's, yeah he is actually younger than Victor um, Matfield <laughs> or same age yeah I, I do the only thing I'd in his favour and you make some really good points there like you should shake hands and the losing team probably will yeah. is that the losing team have like 15 oh, 14, 14 other teammates and a support staff and being yeah. a referee is a fairly lonely place 
So if you feel oh, no. that, yeah. I mean, it must be an awful feeling. I sympathise. I completely yeah. sympathise with the feelings. But anyway, but onto the on, onto the world rugby thing because, like I say, I I formed an opinion, and and then when I was reading and I was hearing people talking about it, like thrown him under they've thrown Craig Joubert under the bus they've set a dangerous precedent I just I, I kind of I, I was sitting there thinking I I feel like I'm a lone voice thinking actually that statement's alright and I'm quite happy with it on this occasion I don't think every single game needs a debrief yeah, and a statement no. that's the that is a justifiable argument to say well are you going to start apologising every time a referee gets well, it wrong they didn't apologise no they didn't apologise. Uh, oh, sorry. Did, I know what you mean. going to clarify. clarify. Did yeah, Pat yeah, yeah. Lamb, I know what you mean. Same. Yeah. It all amounts to the same thing. Do you remember yeah. Pat Lamb uh, with Leighton Hodges uh, earlier on the season? Brings out his laptop and yeah. says, this is, wrong, oh, this, is yes. wrong, this is wrong. Did he get fined for that? Um, I can't remember. No, on the subject of talking about it, like coaches talk, did you see Jose Mourinho, um, the way he talked about the referee the other, uh, the other day? No, but I He's have a seen 50, a headline. So, so, it's, no, so he got a £50,000 fine for saying something like um, the referee was frightened or referees are frightened to give us penalties. So that was questioning the integrity of a, an official. And he was saying, well, hold on a minute. Arsene Wenger criticises referees and you didn't fine him. One rule for one, one rule for someone else. And and it turns out what Arsene Wenger said was um, the referee was weak and naive, and apparently that's not questioning his integrity, so that wasn't fined. So, <laughs> so now every time Chelsea play, Jose Mourinho is just going on after the game. Um, what do you think of the penalty decision? I thought the referee was weak and naive. He's just <laughs> oh, saying no. that. <laughs> that's reminiscent of the uh, Bre- Steven- Brendan Venter interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on, three cheers for Sirelli Bombo. Weak and frightened. Uh, no one, what one Arsene Wenger said he was weak and naive. Yeah, I get that bit. Which isn't questioning the integrity; it's questioning f- the skill or the the decision so making. Fr- I think frightened was the word. Anyway, the mm. point was it was just you just talking about coaches talking to official uh, talking about officials. Um, Pat Lamb was fined. Oh, was he? For his yeah, because that was actually pretty straight down the line. It was very technical. It wasn't offensive. It wasn't personal. He it was wasn't questioning saying, yeah. integrity. He was just saying he's got this wrong. He's got this wrong. He's got this wrong. There's like three opportunities back to back to back, and all of them were the incorrect decision. Yeah. It's just frustration, wasn't I, it? I will. I the one thing I have heard someone say, which I I kind of get on a principle level, um, and I heard an ex referee, I forget which one, say that. The referee makes a call and the referee is the... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Judicator of fact on the field. Yes. Well said. Yeah. Um so, so, like... so, so, I, so I do get that it could be argued that World Rugby have undermined that. Would anyone like to see rugby go back to a situation where the referee's interpretation of very vague laws ruled above all else? Because that's kind of what I'd like. Well, that's when you're playing rugby, you're always told the referee is always right. Exactly. Because, because you don't have the benefit of the TMO or anything like that. Once he's made a decision, if you try and argue with him, you're only going to make it worse. You're yeah. only going to wind him up and get him against your team. So you just have to suck it up and get on with it. I've told and you referees this, do make mistakes. I've told you this before, but after every game, I go up to the ref and I tell him what a great game he's had officiating, yeah. knowing that I'm going to see him again next week or, or yeah. like the week after. And they do actually appreciate it, even if they've had a horrible game. Uh, yeah. I, I'd like to see more referees' interpretation 
and a little bit more of a free for I don't like these cameras everywhere. Like, oh, there's a fist to the face or whatever it may, may be. There should be a little bit more room for... I would say we should, everybody should listen back to Phil's comment at the end of that little segment because I, I, I listened to that, uh, that bit of the podcast and when Phil said, the problem is we've got all the... We've, I, I like the mechanisms that are in place still getting the wrong decisions and still making soft calls. That's it. Mm. Yeah, that it is frustrating when you have you have everything available. You have all the technology at your fingertips to make the right decision every single time. And Louis Pickamole still got a yellow card. And there's still mistakes happening. For sorting Richie McCaw out. Speaking of Louis Pickamoles, oh my word, it looks like he's coming to the Premiership. <laughs> well, I'm not Quad, getting... Quadzilla. I'm not getting too excited yet because it'll just break my heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Louis. <laughs> so the rumours of signings by Premiership clubs has been ridiculous this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Tolupe Falatau to Bath one, that, well, that, that seems yeah. to be warming up again. Yeah, is it? Well, Dragons have have spoken to the WRU to say, we want to sell him. We want to we want to get rid of him. I mean, it wow. It cost 150 grand for Bath to purchase. They want the money. And, yeah. They need the money and all the rest of it. Now, the problem with Wales is Gatlin's tied to this um, player quota of players playing abroad, isn't he? Oh, it's Gatlin's law. He'll work it out. <laughs> um, interesting. So that could happen again. That's possibly on, yeah. Um, and so let's talk about the okay the other rumours. Pickamoles. Now, initially the rumour was to Bath, but Northampton looks like Northampton or Leicester looks like the uh, the loudest rumours there. The Louis mm. Pickamoles. Which which back row would he look best in? Do you know what I mean? Like which is the sexiest back row? Not in terms of looks, just like name and brand value. Because Burgess, Pickamoles, and Low oh, take some oh, beating. God. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it really does. It's, that's right up there with like Fernandez like, Lobby, Gore yeah. Gotter and Armitage. And you've got the best of France, you've got the best of South Africa and you've got the best of Australian Rugby League all <laughs> in one back row. <laughs> so, I, I, I spoke to um, someone who knows a thing or two. I spoke to someone who knows someone. And... Um, it's very uh, cryptic. Yeah. It, it wasn't my brother. Okay. Uh, no, it wasn't cause, him. Because okay. automatically you two will think it's him, but it wasn't. But So I heard Leicester Tigers, they've got a lot of signings still to announce. A, bun- a bunch from the NPC, competition in New Zealand. No point ah, coming, right, that okay. one. The Aaron Major will be, uh, uh, you know, have, have an influence on coming over. And they've got two players. I mean, they've got a Tongan player and someone else that, that are being announced at the moment. But they've got two players still involved in the World Cup. So involved in the World Cup semi-final level who they haven't yet announced. And subsequent to us sort of breaking that little rumour on Twitter earlier this week, a rumour started to surface about Jean de Villiers going mm-hmm. to Leicester Tigers. And you know what? That would make perfect sense. I'll tell you why. It's something I've said in the past, which is Leicester tend to prioritise certain positions. And backs don't seem to be one of those positions unless it's the inside centre berth. So you yeah. look at who they've had, Pat Howard, Gibson, um, and what's his name? The other Australian... Uh, oh, what was the name of the uh, Fijian... Um, Bo, um, Bo, uh, Bowden's another. I'm trying to think. Ra- the... Ram Benny. Oh yeah, Ram Benny. Oh, yeah. uh, was not um, Herbert. Well, well, not Herbert. Who was it? Will Greenwood. Kafer, sorry. Rod Kafer. Yes. Yeah, they've had loads of them. Will, Will Greenwood. Will Greenwood. Yeah. Five seasons. So they seem to like expensive inside centres because I think they, and I think losing, they see it as losing Anthony Allen and yeah. only having 37 year olds Suramai Bai. Mm. They, they could do with an inside centre. Yeah, and imagine De Villiers to Elangi later this season. <laughs> a lot later this season. Yeah, yeah one yeah. day maybe <laughs> they'll never play together. Um, I've understood it to be this, which is uh, John De Villiers this year. Is there an Olympics next year? Or is it year after? There is twenty Olympics in the summer, twenty sixteen in Brazil. Right. So then, yeah, Sunny Bill this, after the Olympics after this season. So that'll be for next season. How old's Sunny Bill then? He's going to be in his thirties. He's, he's thirty now. I'd still take a 32-year-old or 31-year-old Sydney Bill. So let's start yes. the rumour mill. Let's assume this rumour is true. Leicester Tigers have two players involved in the World Cup semi-finals that they haven't yet announced. Yeah. Let's say Jean de Villiers is one. Who would you pick as the other? Well, the, this a realistic target? Because we know a lot of players' destination is already set. Okay, well, let's also just say this. I have no idea about any of the contracts of any of the, of any of the players at the moment. I, I have literally zero ideas. So we're going to have to look at older players, I guess. Yeah. Kano be might be one. one. I, I think New Zealand back row is where I'd go. Mm. Kano. Richie. Potentially. Richie has... Richie to Leicester. As far as I'm aware, he's not signed for anyone. I'm pretty certain about that. 
I don't think he's formalised his retirement post-World Cup. They've just lost their open side flanker. The guy they got in to replace him is a, was from London Welsh, Lachlan McCaffrey. They, they could do with a bit of class in their back. Yeah, though, I, agree. I think McCaw could be a very good fit. I think Kano would be the one. Kano would also be a good fit. And he did. Uh, on, sorry. No, I was going to say if if you talk about Leicester spend their money in certain positions, Cronfeld. Yep. Back. Back. Moody. Moody. Salvi. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They, yeah, and they've spent God knows how much money on Croft, but he doesn't even play. Yeah, he played played on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It, well, I mean, he's, he's, is he aiming for the next Lions? Must be, must be. <laughs> he's timed this all wrong. He's come back <laughs> yeah. to fitness just after bitten, a World Cup. Bitten by his own snake. <laughs> ben Smith. How old's Ben Smith? He, he looks, looks much older ben than Smith. I think he is. He's, he's, he's young. He's twenty. He's not that old. He looks no. old uh, in no, real life. No, he I'd looks say old. twenty-four, twenty-five. Ben Smith. And um, Ben Smith, ice hockey. Sorry? Ben Smith, ice hockey player. He's I think it's a different one. He's 27. Oh, good. I, I was wondering about that as well. <laughs> that's, that's ticked off. That's, that's, the, that's the next point on the Tell podcast. Tell me the age of, of Alex Ovechkin. Benj- Watch you there. Benjamin Robert Smith, uh, 1st of June, 1986. 29, 29 years old. Really? So mm-hmm. it, I think it might be a good move for him to... Uh, right. Can I just say something? Him. We can't say, oh, really, anymore. Because you just did it, and I and I've done it before, and in my rugby club, I'm getting absolutely destroyed for saying, "Oh, really?" <laughs> Apparently, we, we say it all the time. Do we? Yeah. Is it when we're not quite listening to one of the other people? Oh, really? <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> that's another. That's another thing we say all the time. Agreed. 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 It's right. mainly you two just back and forward. I concur. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> um, okay, fine. Do you want to talk about the Premiership? Yeah, do I? Do I? Do, do, I, I? do I? Oh my word, do I? So shall we start then with Gloucester versus Saracens? Well, it's, it's, this is the season for Gloucester, isn't it? This is the year. This, this is this is their this year. This is their year. They are currently undefeated wow. this season. And I imagine they'll stay the undefeated for the entire season. Uh, most of it, I would. Have All thought. of it, definitely. Oh, I'm going to crack open the Big D nuts. That's right. For the Premiership review. (laughs) (laughs) We've been fueled by Big D nuts all the way through the World Cup. Do you want to build some Big D nuts, Jay? Stop saying Big D. (laughs) How much are you getting paid for this, Tim? We're not getting anything for this. Apart from some Big D nuts. Some delicious... (laughs) It would seem... The D stands for delicious, Phil. Mm. (laughs) It would seem that both teams are, are, are back to full strength. Um... Something very interesting, which might be a Calum- bit of... Calamophony in the row. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, yeah. Sione Calamophony into second row. I've noticed that. So him, him and Savage in, in, in the row. But here's a real interesting selection. Saracens are playing Owen Farrell at 12. Now, I know this isn't particularly new for Saracens, but I just wonder going forward if there's been a little bit, little bit, bit of a meeting... Owen knows that Dad isn't much longer for the England setup, <laughs> and now he needs to find a position where he can actually get in alongside Ford. It, and by the way, I think he's a cracking twelve. That's I think the, he is. That, 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 that's the other thing. I, I really th- that could be the way going forward. We've, we've said it many times. Mm. If only, if only Stuart Lancaster was one of those uh, people who would listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, gl- I'm glad he hasn't because he sounds. He seems like a really nice guy, and uh, I don't think I want him listening to what. JB might break him. <laughs> um, yeah. So which way are we going? Glo- uh, Gloucester at home. Um, uh, Sarries. I would go Sarries away. Just. Um, yeah. Who's Michael Rhodes? Any idea? Uh, South African. I think he came from s- the Stormers. Mm. And also, the Saracens are playing the worst, the best worst player in the world. If that makes sense, or the best player who isn't very good in the world. Doesn't make a lot of sense. What the best not very good player? Yeah, Jackson Ray, who oh, I don't yeah. rate, but every time he plays, he like, yeah. scores a hat trick or something, and then you don't yeah. see it. They wrap him up and send, send him away for. He started um, at eight last week, didn't he? He's starting at eight again. Is he starting at eight again? Wow. Yes. Um, okay. Next match on Friday is the Sale game. Um. Sale look very much like Sale. Um, they've got pretty much the pretty much the full team out. Um, looking and they and they looked rubbish away from home. <laughs> yeah, but they always look just like Sale. Home. Yeah, I saw Peter Stringer in the gym. Did you? So so I would have thought that. Well, in fact, I know 
that professional rugby sides have their own gyms, and I know Sale Sharks have a very, very well equip, equipped gym. Peter Stringer was walking into a pure gym. That's weird. Which which one? Oh, the one by Exchange. The Didn't one, you? the one that we sometimes frequent, Jay. Yeah. Ah, interesting. So I, I was just at the water fountain, just uh, you know, having really busted a gut and worked to uh, maximal intensity, and, <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Stringer walked in and. Um, I just said, uh, I just introduced myself, said, oh, oh, hi, Pete, welcome to Manchester, uh, you know, weekend looked a bit ugly. Did he say he's a massive fan of the, f- fan of the podcast, or? Uh, um, it was implied, it wasn't explicit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he didn't it's need to say it. Was, yeah, it sometimes yeah. it's just a look, isn't it, and you know. Yeah. It is a look, I see it all the time. It's so not... I'm, I'm just wondering maybe if Sale Sharks gym isn't equipped with dumbbells big enough for Peter Stringer, perhaps. <laughs> what was he doing just out of interest? I didn't actually stick around, I, I'd kind of finished, and he was just You didn't started. ask him if he, if he could spot his weights for him? <laughs> but I had that. I had. I did have that awkward moment where, so I sort of said downstairs on the floor of the gym, I'd sort of said, "Oh, you know, welcome to Manchester. Hi, hi, Peter. Blah blah blah." Then I went up to get changed. And, I know. And then he came into the changing room, and we were near each other. It was just, just felt awkward. Yeah. It's like saying goodbye to someone twice. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, or shaking I, hands at the end of the meeting, and then when they're leaving again, like. Do you shake the hands again? Oh, no. One, one half goes for it. One half doesn't yeah. go for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Stop yeah. it. Uh, but no, they, they looked. They looked, They didn't have a good day at the office at Saracens. Now, now talking about Peter Stringer and Sale, how are they going to manage having both these guys? Because they've got Cusser to there, who they've spent significant money on. And yeah. now they've got Stringer, and he mustn't be coming cheap because he's come off a great season at Bath. And they've got a very, very promising young guy coming through their academy. James someone, I forget. Well, his. That's just what I was going to ask. James Flynn. <laughs> no, he's a he's a prop. He's a prop, yeah. as you well know. <laughs> um, as just no, no, sorry, sorry, with that, that isn't a joke. James Flynn is on is on the bench for sale. Oh, is he? Yeah, uh, played a few games with him uh, a couple of seasons ago at Sedgley. Oh, and is he a, is he a prop? Is he? He is. He is oh, a prop. right. Okay. Yeah. Um, they've also got Brian Brian Mujanti on the bench. Oh, really? Who got penalised off the park against Saracens? Yeah. Mm. Massive, so, massive guns. Still, much, still giving away penalties. Too much bench press. Has he got better guns than Tommy Taylor? He's probably got the best guns in the Premiership. He has probably got, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. So um, Worcester versus versus Sale then. Sale at home. Sale at home. Sale. I think Sale as well. But I'm not going to completely... No, I am going to dis- discount Worcester. Sale. Um, we've got Bath Wasps. I've got no, no teams announced for Bath, Bath versus Wasps. Oh my God. Yeah, but who cares? Because we have got the potential of James Haskell and Sam Burgess wearing six. And you know, if you're on that, f- if, if we pick up on ref cam, you know exactly what we're going to hear. Take it away, Hask and Sam. Absolute banter flying around already. <laughs> Lads. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hask and Cowhead. Uh, I wonder if um, Haskell's going to regret this. Like, you know, messing around with... Um, <coughs> Messing around with Burgess. Chloe Maley. Yeah, Chloe Maley. <laughs> messing around with Sam Burgess, a little bit like messing around with your pet tiger. You're in control until such time that you're not. And <laughs> until just, that tiger's <laughs> hungry. Until <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're on opposite sides of a scrum, and then uh, you might have some problems. It's going to be a fascinating battle. And if Wasps want to be considered serious contenders, they, they have to win this. At home, they've got to win pretty much everything. Yes. Oh, Definitely. And I, we both backed them against Harlequins. I know Tim was in the know. He knows better than we do. Yeah. But, um, How do you know that? I, I, I know I, things. I was expecting uh, Wasps to do big things this season. Um, and they've really got to. They've got to win every home game, like you say. Mm. This, this will be very interesting. Apparently expecting over 20,000 for this. Wow. Who, who knew Coventry was such a uh, hotbed of rugby? Um, yeah, so there'll be... Um, Haskell will be available. Joe Launchbury will also be available. So it looks like they've both got full teams out. I fancy Bath didn't. Play I don't great know. Last week, it, Bath looked a bit rusty. They did look rusty. They only just sneaked past. I think a lot of people seem to be saying Exeter are going to be nailed on top four side this year. Yeah, um, Austin Healy had them in his top four. I didn't well, he, he had them top two and then downgraded them to top four. Um, in the bus was it not? Uh, no, just in general. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, a lot of people. And Mike Ford, following on from the Bath game, said Exeter will be a top four team this year. So um, we're glad to have come away with a win, most of all. Yeah, I'm not sure if I agree with that. I don't think Exeter will make top four. I think Wasps, I think Bath, Surrey's, 
Oh, maybe. Mate, that, that next group, though, is so tight. And they've recruited well, well and what I would say is guys like Sam Hill, Henry Slade, Jack Noel are that little bit older now. They, they were the This time last year, we were going, oh, they're all really young, aren't they? Do you know what, I always, I always mm. look back at the old Newcastle teams and go, oh, we've got all these young guys and they'll just get better every year and they never got any better. Other than Johnny Wilkinson, they was left with May, Noon, Stevens, Flood, and they didn't get any better. They just stayed constantly bad. So... <laughs> I would, um, I would just temper that opinion. Uh, um, so I'm going to... I really don't know. Wasps at home. I still think Bath edge it. I'm going to go for Wasps. Oh, I think wasps I'm going to go home. Wasps. Mm. Wasps by five. Wasps by less than five for me. Um, we've got uh, Tigers versus Harlequins at Welford Road. Now, I have no teams available... But if Leicester put out anything like they did last last week, they did all, they did all right against London yeah. Irish. They did yeah. well. I, like Tommy Bell had a really good game, and we were going Sam Harrison and Tommy Bell halfbacks. That just sound didn't <coughs> that didn't sound right. But yeah, they did well. But as long as their platform's good, which you know it will be, um, I, Leicester at home should have enough. Yeah, now, well. Quinn Quinn sh- should have most of their most of their England boys were on the bench last week. Easter, Marla, Brown, and they, and they still they, won. Should, they should be starting now. Care, um, mm. I think Care had a back spasm. Yeah, um, I, I know you're going to shoot me down with this. Uh, you did, la- did did last week, but I still think the argument is valid. Uh, I don't think having your England players back so soon is actually an advantage because I think they've had such a hard summer building up to something and they're having such a massive letdown. They're not going to be quite 100. Um, percent Leicester or Quinns, then, G. Uh, well, Leicester at home, you'd be a fool to bet against Leicester at home, but I am a fool. So I think I'm going to go, based on last week, but I'm sure I, I don't know, Quinns, I think. Leicester at home. Leicester at home. Oh, I need to look at the t- team sheet. We don't we, we don't have teams out for this. But the second last game is Exeter Chiefs, London Irish. Ooh, uh, Chiefs. Chiefs, comfortably. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and final game? Northampton versus the almighty Newcastle at the Gardens. Northampton to right the wrongs of last week yeah. and put up a big score at home. Uh, if last week's results were anything to go by, Newcastle will be massively o- over-egged and Northampton will g- are going to want to... Yeah, they're going to want some sort of revenge back at home. So Northampton for me. In fact, Northampton's going to massively overpower, overpower them. Agreed. Oh really? <laughs> right, I think that's just about it for the Premiership. Do you want to talk about Pro 12? Love to. I don't. So I'll, I'll let you do it. <laughs> we gotta make a brew. Let's leave. Let's go make a brew and leave Phil talking uh, Pro 12. Yeah. Uh, we're also, we'll be getting their third win of the season at home on Friday night to Cardiff Blues. Yep, that's not hard to see. Um, yeah, I see that. Other Friday night fixtures: Scarlets host Munster. Um. Munster probably won't have many of their uh, Irish players back. That would be weird. So Scarlets possibly to win at home. DTH to score a hat trick after his after his brace th- uh, this weekend. To get brace this weekend as well. Bloody hell! He's oh, on as well. As well as all the ones in. The oh World right, yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's on some form. DTH. Uh, Newport Gwen Dragons host the mighty power from across the narrow sea. Uh, a long way across the narrow sea, Benetton Treviso. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, different, the Doth a different, <laughs> different narrow sea. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you who's going to play in that game. I don't know any of the players. I don't know who's going to win. And a repeat of the final two years ago, Leinster host Glasgow, which um, could be a very interesting game. Yeah, it might be actually. I mean, I don't think the Scottish players will all be back yet. I wouldn't. All the Irish so. players actually. Well, they're all injured, aren't they? The Irish players. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't call that. Phil, you're you're the expert. Back the home team. Done. Leinster at home. Exciting. I, I'm. I'm. I am going to get into a bit of Pro Twelve. Oh, are you? Well, no. Well, well, I need to, but I, because my next secondment for uh, BT is going to be Northampton, Lynnetley Scarlets. Oh, you got a Heineken Cup game. So I've got to watch a bit of uh, Scarlets. Nice. nice. So I, I need. To, I need to swat up, guys. So I've told you. This. Let's get on to this Pro Twelve thing. <laughs> I've told I've told you before, but the best way to swat up about any sport is to buy the computer game. 
<laughs> I, so I did that. I, I called JB because uh, there was a bit of work around NFL, and I'm I'm pretty good on NFL. But I said JB, is there any, any little shortcut, any podcast I should listen to? And he went buy Madden, just, <laughs> just buy Madden and play Madden. I did. It's good. Um, right. Well, here's one thing. Okay, but, but something something lighthearted to finish with. So I don't know whether you've seen this, but footballer Sebastian Schweinsteiger, the ger- <laughs> German midfielder, <laughs> he, his management team are, are, ha- are putting into the hands of German lawyers a case to um, to have his image removed from a doll. So it, basically, uh, there's, there's, there's a, a figure, an action figure of a World War Two German soldier that bears a, a more than striking resemblance to footballer Sebastian Schweinsteiger. The package of the doll even says Bastion on it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, there's there, there's no coming back from this. Then. They definitely, I thought it was just a coincidence. A very funny... So, but <laughs> let's, put to one, let's put to one side the, the nature of the soldier and the, the war, blah, blah, blah. Daddy, can I have a World War II logistics soldier, please? Yeah, you've... <laughs> of, from the Axis powers. Watson? Li- <laughs> a little bit concerned. <laughs> but if you were going to make... If you were going to make a doll... To represent other rugby nationalities, mm-hmm. which player would fit ah, the bill perfectly? Very good. Now sir. it doesn't have to be uh, an Englishman being the English doll. If you think there's someone else in world rugby that looks so English, yeah, I get. I, but I, generally okay. speaking, I imagine it would come from your own nation. So, which player would represent and looks more that nationality than anyone else? Well, yeah. Okay. <coughs> so I mean. Problem is, the most caricature team in the world of the nation they come from is Ireland. There is no mistaking the Irish players, except for maybe Jared Payne, as <laughs> being. He's a, he's yeah, a Kiwi. yeah, because he, he, he's a chiselled jaw Kiwi. Uh, they're all kind of. They all look very Irish. Omani is a most Irish. arms. Yeah, yeah. Omani with his with his like normal everyday frame, but his immense former strength is just. He's <laughs> yeah. so Irish. Paddy Paddy Jackson is. Categorically, the most Irish man. He's an actual leprechaun. He, he's leprechaun. a real life leprechaun. He is literally a leprechaun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he invented Lucky Charms, a cereal. Uh, yeah, so. Just, just uh, sorry, on the literally thing, Steve Hansen has said that South Africa will want to literally rip our heads off <laughs> <laughs> in Saturday's World Cup semi final. difficult thing do you, think, to do. do you think World Rugby will release a statement <laughs> if that occurs? I've told you about the time I saw someone's head come off during rugby, yeah? <laughs> you have told me. Well, for the benefit of those who haven't heard this story, have you heard this? Oh, is it the scrum cap? Yeah. So, oh, sorry, I've ruined the punchline. You ruined it. Oh, no, <laughs> anyway, anyway. So no. let's, let's stick to this task. We can save, save that for another day. Okay, yeah. I'll save it for next. In six months' time, I'll tell you all the story about or, when someone's head came off. Or JB's uh, is available as an after-dinner speaker, if you like. You can tell it <laughs> there. Um, so, come on, then. Um, we've got Paddy Jackson. So I, I, last year, I think I told you, I ate in a Georgian restaurant. Um, no, you did not tell me this. Did I not tell you that? No, I remember you it's talking about this. A Georgian restaurant. I, when I was living in Islington. Oh, um, right. Okay. Georgian restaurant called Tbilisi, uh, the capital of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was good food, actually. Very nice. But the waitress who served me, the Georgian waitress, looked very much like a rugby player. Oh, wow. Not, not a Georgian rugby player. <laughs> She looked like Augustine Creevy. She was the dub- <laughs> she was the absolute double of Augustine Creevy. Wow, <laughs> you're a real charmer. <laughs> On the way out, you say, "Do you know Augustine Creevy?" Look him up. <laughs> um, uh, right. So, Wales. Hmm. I don't know. Let's think. Right, no, I know one. Uh, but the thing is about Wales, I mean, okay, so basically you've got the Welsh people like the, you know, the guy, you know, the guys in the hinterland who round up sheep for a living, and then you've got the people from the valleys who are a little bit uncouth. Well, no, no, no. I, Alex Cuthbert looks like a guy out in Swansea. <gasps> I'm glad you said that because that's exactly the look I was going for when I came up with <laughs> Liam Williams. Oh, who I is... thought you were. I thought you were going to say you had a night out in Swansea and you were going for the, <laughs> the kind of. <laughs> Skinny, skinny legs, big upper body, <laughs> high and tight hair. Hi, ladies. Hi, skip leg day. <laughs> no, Liam Williams is the ultimate valley, like valley boy. Yeah, he All is right. definitely. All right, we'll go with that one. And as for England, problem with England is it's a very varied sort of country. Uge France. Uge. Oh, definitely. But Pickamols is very French. Or Pickamol Zazevsky. Oh yeah. 
as a Parisian man strolling around drinking fine it, coffee, fine red wine. Yeah. Hmm. Parise looks like he should be made into a statue and put in Florence somewhere, so <laughs> he could do for Italy. Definitely should do. Uh, Scotland? I've got, I've got it. Uh, Duncan Weir. <laughs> no one looks more Scottish. You can imagine him in a couple of years' time. You know, wakes up at 11, goes to the pub, stays in the pub, a goes home about time. 11. Yeah, about 35. Diet of uh, processed white food. Uh, he's definitely, definitely oh the most Scottish. Hello most Scottish to our people. Scottish listeners. We really value you listening. Well, the rest of them are South African anyway. So, you know, it's, 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 it's all just. Finn Russell is a little bit Scottish. But not as much as Duncan Weir. Chavy Scottish. Yeah, yeah. Alan Jacobson is the epitome of a Scottish man. Oh, that's a great shout. Like a Highlander or something. A big, yeah. big kind of... Big, heavy, stocky, stocky, heavy set. Yeah. Borderline obese. Borderline <laughs> morbidly obese. <laughs> yeah, likes his... Uh, anyway, let's not get into the... The, the England conundrum then. The England conundrum. Who's most English? I, I See, I think English rugby... Have to be, who, who would be James Bond out of the England... Rugby squad. I'm not sure they even have a James Bond at the moment. Um, who would be? Yeah, it comes back to the leaders thing. Andy Farrell is James Bond, but he's, he's not the most English man. No, uh, see, the most <coughs> Yorkshire man on there, you can, you know, Sam Burgess, you know, yeah, and that's the thing. So, who's the most public schoolboy on 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 there? Oh, there's a few. I mean, Rob Shaw's very public public schoolboy. Launchbury has that public schoolboy. Yeah. Oh yeah, he well. really does. Tim oh, lo- lo- it is Launchbury. Yeah. It is Launchbury. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But blatantly a prefect. You can imagine him in one of those cotton rugby shirts, or maybe yeah. even two of them. Blatantly a prefect at school. Who's, who's the most South African man? Mm. Oh, who looks like they eat meat the most? Scott Spudding. <laughs> Rory Coppots. <laughs> WP Nell or Josh Strauss, perhaps. <laughs> maybe yeah. Brad Barrett. God, they, they get everywhere, don't, don't they? DTA van der Merwe. Yes, another one. Have we got any at the moment in Wales? Uh, Ian Evans, but he didn't play. Yeah. I think he's in Barbie then. Hmm. So. Uh, and as for South Africans, Etzebeth. I mean, I know, I know not everyone in South Africa looks like him, but yeah. he just epitomises South Africa. Like someone who, who just eats, uh, only eats protein. Yeah. Scalcor, like for uh, the blonde hair thing, Scalcor, oh, John yeah. de Villiers has to be. I, I did like who's the who's the hooker whenever he comes on. I, I, I Adrian Strauss. <laughs> Adrian Strauss is always he so, looks always horrible. Some, there's he? always some banter about oh South Africa has subbed on Boris Johnson after knocking over yeah, that he's Japanese got that, school kid. He's got that kind of like he's got quite a funny look about him. I bet if you were like in his age group in rugby or school, he was no joke whatsoever. He oh, no. he looks like a very serious, very very nice. I mean, he's probably an absolute lovely man, but I can imagine <laughs> him ba- battering. People. I can imagine him battering me. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see you two go head to head. I wouldn't. Uh, who's the? Mo- uh, I don't know. I, well, Quake Cooper's the most Australian. I'll yeah. settle that for you right right Hell now. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, and. Actually, probably Richie McCaw is the most New, most New Zealand. Honest, hardworking, like likes uh, likes farming. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at, at rugby podcast, get in touch with us and tell us who who would who would be the perfect rugby model for a doll, uh, or, or who represents that nation perfectly. We got the the, the Joe Launchbury. I, I want him to have glasses. Who would be? Th- oh. <laughs> Uh, by the way, the worst doll would be Hel- uh, ha- Hammersley from uh, Newcastle. That'd be the least inspiring doll that, uh, that I've ever <laughs> Did seen. Did you see the? Uh, yeah, he's a great try. The, well, the hit he put in. Or no. He bounced off the hammer. The hammer. Oh, we give him a new name. The hammer. Hammersley. School prefect eleven stone wet Hammersley. <laughs> bounced off. I think it's Henry Purdy. And took the ball. Uh, took a high ball, man and ball, and Purdy flew in and just bounced off him. Yeah, I've got a sneaky feeling, sneaky feeling he might be quite good, you know. Yeah. Because I've got a theory about players that don't look like they should be good and they're where they are, those are the guys that you've got to watch because they're actually talented. Well, Agreed. we were saying that about Kieran Reid uh, yeah, yeah. a year or two ago. Conrad Smith. But mind you, when yeah. you when you shake Kieran Reid's hand, like I have, you realise <laughs> that he's basically got shovels for hands. You were too afraid to touch him, weren't you? I was. I couldn't. I couldn't get near him. It's the aura. Conrad Smith is a good one for New Zealand. Looks like he's... Kind of thirty years out of date, 
but is <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> incredible. Are you saying that New Zealand, the New Zealand society is about 30 years out of date? Because I would agree with you. <laughs> he could wear, no, Conrad Smith would, yeah, you're right. Conrad Smith would, you know, you see the old pictures of the original 87 World Cup when they had that Canterbury kit with the, with the, they had that sort of funny collar that Canterbury used to do that was really like like a the white like, V. It was like yeah. flat. It I wasn't like a folded like one on top of the other collar. Like, like a really open V. Like really open V. Yeah. Uh, oh. th- those old shirts. Comrade uh, Smith looks like he would just, just tell us, Tim, look at home in that. Have you had another Canterbury stash drop? No, no, I'm still wearing the old stash I got from Canterbury. Oh, they are rather nice. Yeah. Mm, they are very nice, Tim. Suspiciously nice. Yeah. Hmm. Um anyway, at Rugby Podcast. Tell us, tell us what you think, and we'll we'll revisit that one on the next podcast. Indeed, uh, I think we're done, boys. Oh, really? I think we're done. We will reconvene after the Rugby World Cup semi-finals and after the Premiership and that big face-off between Big Sam and Hask. Absolute banter flying around already, <laughs> oh, lads. Nice one, JB. Nice one, Tim. Nice one, Phil. Cheers, Tim. In a bit. <laughs>